Thank you, Rick. We're going to jump right in because of there's lots to go. Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> uh, we're talking about sharing in a common life. And uh, this, this is a great theme, except it's a theme that uh, uh, you will miss because the way we tend to read 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts. So I, I just trust that you'll listen and uh, ask the Spirit of God to give you an ear to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to us. We're talking about sharing in a common life. And there are a lot of communities around the world. If you were to go into them and greet them in the morning, if you go to China, uh, the first thing you would say to a Chinese person when you meet them is, have you eaten today? Now, how are you? Have you eaten today? Because they were starving for so long. In, uh, in different places of the world, um, there's different greetings. But uh, in Mongolia, when you meet people, they don't shake hands. You shake their elbows. You grab their elbows because their hands are not... They're working hands, and so they usually don't touch it. But energy comes from the elbow, Mongolians think. But there's a place in South Africa I want to talk about this morning since we want to continue to open up the vision of missions. There's a place, you know, in South Africa uh, where the Zulu tribe, they live in the, the northern part of South Africa to the uh, right there. You'll see the KwaZulu Natal. And the Natal tribe when they meet each other in the morning, they greet each other this way, Saubona. And the response, when you hear them greet each other, they say, Shiboka. So repeat with me, Saubona. And then your response is, Shiboka. What that means is, Saubona means, I see you. And Shiboka means, I am seen. And this, this is an interesting uh, meaning because when you say in Natal language, in that culture, I see you, it means I see everything about you. I know your personality. I know your family. I know your, where you live. I know, your, I know uh, your strengths, your weaknesses. I know your reputation. I know your fears. I know your weaknesses. I know everything because I see everything standing in front of me. Saubona, I see you. And the response is, Shiboka, I am seen, means I am accepted and honored because you see me as I am and you accept me. That idea of having acceptance in the, in the Natal language is the basis of their community. And a lot of times in the Mediterranean and the African cultures, and Asian cultures and Latin cultures, there's a, there's a different sense about uh, uh, getting together in a fellowship or in a community, which we talk about fellowship and community. There's lots of ways to have people, relationships. If you're in a biker club or bowling club or sewing club or church club, there's lots of clubs where you can have people see you. But there are places in the scripture when we're talking about saubona, or there's a word for this. The word is called koinonia. And the word koinonia means a fellowship, but it's not just a social activity, having coffee and donuts and coming together to talk about those activities before you end up praying. Koinonia is a very special word translated as partner or participating or sharing or commonly know what, fellowship. This idea of fellowship then, fellow meaning one that walks with me, one that I'm in the yoke with, is something that 
if you're in the yoke with somebody, you're going to see them and walk with them and learn to walk and adjust in that relationship. You know the story of Hagar in the Old Testament, where Abraham and Sarah had this maidservant, and Hagar uh, was in a very difficult situation where she was basically used or abused and then became pregnant with Ishmael. But because of the tensions in the relationship, there wasn't a good fellowship and wasn't a good feeling. So Sarah cast her out and she went out into the desert by herself. Can you imagine being in the desert with child and uh, feeling like I've just been abandoned, I've been abused and walked away and, and she says, I, I'm so sick of it all, I'm just so tired of it all and then getting angry at God because God failed as well and everybody, her life is miserable. And yet God comes to her in, in Genesis 16 and he says, where are you going? Saobona. Hagar, I see you. I see your warfare. I see your frustration. I know you. I'm going to bless you. And she responds, Thou art the God who sees. El Roy. The key to living in this toxic relationship with relationships that are not congenial, not friendly, who are abusive surprisingly, is found in this idea of koinonia and worship. The idea that you would find life in Christ because God sees you. Jesus saw Nathaniel sitting under that tree before Nathaniel saw Jesus. Jesus sees first. He always does. He knows you and knows what's going on inside of you. Knows your heart even before you do. So we need that guidance that Joanne was talking about But God does do that. He speaks to us and gives us that insight because he sees us exactly. In Matthew 6, 20, Matthew 6, uh, 32, he says, all the Gentiles are frantically trying to figure out their needs, but don't worry about, you're not like the Gentiles because your heavenly Father knows you need these things. You seek first the kingdom of God and watch God at work. But God knows your needs. God knows your frustrations. God's salbonas you. And your response is to say, God, I am here. Um, And therefore, as you move into this, you're living, if you're in this relationship that's a fellowship, a koinonia with Christ, then your heart is set free. Then and only then you know that there's no condemnation because of the sin. You know grace, you know mercy. You're free from half-hearted and superficial relationships. God wants you to know that there's more to the Christian life than just following traditions and rules, than just being part of a social activity or a collective that's a civil religion. But you are free because of the Spirit of God as you share in this life. You're free to engage in a very personal way, Salbona, Shikona. In other words, as a Christian, you are to be known fully as God knows you fully, understood and valued. That's what koinonia means. It's your, you have partners. And that word, <clears throat> that word is used, as you know the word is introduced in the New Testament in Acts 2, when the, when the body comes together, uh, that the early church gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and, 
and, and the preaching and prayer. We know that. But you know, also know that it says that they gave themselves to the fellowship. It wasn't a social activity that they were committed to. It was to the individual relationships that God had touched. And that as a community, if you can use that word instead of fellowship... But a lot of people are talking about this connection, this community, this fellowship, this relationship. Not the traditional social requirement to go to church. It's different. And so when John would say, what we have seen and heard, what we have experienced, we declare to you so that we together may share in a common life. Not share period, is to share with a specific purpose that the common life in Christ means that there's a different reality that sets you apart from the secular fellowships, that there's something that you share in common with everybody else who comes to Christ. Uh, call that fellowship. Uh, in 1 uh, Corinthians 1.9, Paul says, you are not, that God is faithful who called us into fellowship with his Son. And if you're called into fellowship with his son, then you would think, as we do think, that Jesus saves us and calls us into a private relationship. But John goes on to say that if you have this private relationship, something happens. That if you're in prayer and praise and God's guiding and gives you the gift and gives you the confession and cleanses your sin, that you have this right relationship with God. But John says something different. If we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship not with God. Get that verse. Read that line. We have fellowship with one another. There's a sharing that takes place. If you are a Christian growing in Christ, following the Spirit, saubona ing other people, you have fellowship because the blood of Christ cleanses you, and you know the blood of Christ cleanses the person next to you. There's a sharing, a common bond where Christ purifies each one of us. That sets us off as a completely different. Yesterday at Kairos, a new guy came in and he was sharing, uh, you would not recognize him if you were back 20 years ago, because he was very much into a biker's club. He married a Christian, and he shared with me, I mean, it was so fun to meet with him, because this is what God does. He brings Christians together, and all of a sudden you have this chemistry, this connection, you, you, you click. Joanne came in, what, two weeks ago, and, and, and I didn't really know you very well at all, but here we are talking, and we're just talking back and forth. God, God gives us this connection. Well, God gave me a connection with a guy yesterday. and he, he was a biker. And I was sitting down listening to a story, and he said, uh, uh, you're practicing those listening skills, aren't you? I said, no, I am listening. <laughs> and as he shared the story, he said, I was, a, I was a rough guy. I said, well, tell me how God, how did you make your step to come to Christ if you're in a biker Community because they were rough. He was a rough guy. Um, he says, when I pulled out my shotgun and I was going to shoot my ex-wife, I hated her. My gun was ready to go because she was in an affair with a guy that I just hated. He was a uh, 
guitar teacher and was teaching my daughter and snuck into my family and got my wife and just took off. And I thought, okay, as I'm listening, okay, Lord, how did you get this guy to turn? He says, I went out to the forest, I pulled off some bark off a tree and put two pieces of bark down so I wouldn't get muddy. And I prayed. But I didn't want to see people with my muddy knees. I said, God, if you're there, you've got to come. You've got to be real because I'm going to do something I don't want to do. Impulsively, he was predisposed to violence. I said, is your wife a Christian? She says, yeah. I said, well, why did she say anything? She said, I never would say. She, he said, his wife said, you become a Christian? I never would think you would go to church or anything. I was so afraid of you, I never shared Christ with you. So here he is in the middle of this woods, and he prays to God, and God speaks to him. God sees him, and God touches him and changes him and brings him into the, right where you are studying you, military. We were talking right there. I'm thinking, if you listen to the stories that God does in individual lives to get them to change. But it was an amazing thing. God called him into fellowship, as he does with all of us. Now, the interesting thing about this calling is my brother is now connected with Christ, and Christ is doing something in him as he's doing something in you and in each one of us. But the thing is not what God is doing, because it's different stories. There's differences in our lives. But notice, notice how that connection, like, like this apple tree, Notice those two apples. Coolidge said, it's only when men begin to worship that they begin to grow. I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to change Calvin's words. <laughs> I can do that, can I? It's only when men begin to worship and fellowship and be discipled, enter into that discipleship, when they grow together and share. Because if we are in Christ, then we have fellowship with one another. And then people learn there's grace for you, there's grace for you, and grace in your story, and mercy and forgiveness. Then you find a whole community of people under the mercy and the freedom if you have the connection point. But today, in our society, as in Corinthian society, there's a lot of people who don't want that. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, is the directive. Not giving up meeting together, as is the habit of some. This is the negative side. We want to go to the other side. If you want to move towards the connecting and encouraging part, you won't pick up this habit. But you want to see God's coming, and therefore he's coming for you and he's coming for me. Therefore, we need to encourage each other. We need each other. And that's why the disciples in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Prayer we understand. Word we understand. But I don't think we understand what Paul is saying that the fellowship is the very gift that God gives to you so that you would not be isolated and pushed out into a desert like Hagar, but that you would be seen and that you would be known and that you would have a companion in your struggles and that you would be an encourager to those who are struggling. What a different community. This is not AA. 
This is not Sexaholics Anonymous or Narcotics. This is a different thing, not just dealing with private pain, but to dealing with personal sin. And therefore, God knew, God knew that the Corinthians were really messed up. God knew that, that they were not loving, they were not koinoneeing. Is that a word? Say that fast. They were not seeing each other. They were not connecting. They were not developing. They were developing bad habits at work against the kingdom of God. And therefore, you take that idea that God sees the Corinthians. God sees the Americans. God sees the Russians. God sees the Ugandans. God sees every person on earth that he created, and he has agape love for them. Is there anyone he doesn't see? God is calling everyone he sees. God loves everyone he sees. And he knows that they do not have a love for him. Therefore, he says, I will give them a heart so that they would know me. Can you imagine the Corinthians listening to Paul, hearing about the words that Rick said, that the Deuteronomy, what Moses said, you are my people and God loves you. And then Jeremiah, the Corinthians were hearing these Israeli prophets. They don't, they, they're not, they're, they're Gentiles for Pete's sake. They hear about Hagar. And then they hear about John the Baptist. Every time God wants to do something in a movement, in a group, he sends a man. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. An individual to individuals. Fellowship. And therefore, as you think about what God is doing in the Corinthians, what he's doing here at Chesterland, when God sees a need, he sends a person. And you call that koinonia. That there's a partnering, a participation. And therefore, when you get into this idea that you are called into a fellowship for a purpose of partnering and encouraging and lifting people up. Oh, there's a man. Do you know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is? He was a pastor who was on a team of men who were going to kill Adolf Hitler. And he was murdered hanged seven days before they were liberated. He has a great, great book. I'm going to just quote a couple verses, quotes from him. He says that the most experienced psychologist or the observer of human nature knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian who lives beneath the cross of Jesus. The greatest psychological insight, ability, and experience cannot grasp this one thing, what sin is. But we know what that is. We've confessed it. We're connected to Christ because of it. You come to Christ because of sin, and you step in the church, and you can't sin anymore. Wait a minute. Shake your head on that one. There's a reality that says there's something wrong with us, something missing in us, and we need each other to help be encouraged to deal with that battle. Worldly wisdom knows what distress and weakness and failure are, but it does not know the godlessness of man. And so, and so it also does not know that man is destroyed only by his sin and can be healed only by forgiveness. Isn't that great? That's what you do, church. That's what you bring. I see you, Saobona, and I bring the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. We do that to each other. 
Here's another one. Only the Christian knows this. In the presence of a psychiatrist, I can only be a sick man. But in the presence of a Christian brother or sister, I can dare to confess that I am a sinner. The psychiatrist may first search my heart, and yet he will never plumb the ultimate depth that I am at war with God. I am so intensely individualistic. The, psychi- the Christian brother knows that when I come to him, there, he's a sinner like myself and a godless man who wants to confess and yearns for God's forgiveness. And that's what we had in the fellowship yesterday. We connected, God has forgiven your murderous intentions of your ex-wife. He's forgiven, it's gone. And so we talked about anger. We talked about healing. We talked about woundedness. We talked about people abandoning us and just feeling like, the, the betrayal that goes on, the distancing that goes on, well, if my sinfulness appears to me to be in any way smaller or not as detestable as yours, I'm still not recognizing my sinfulness at all. How can I possibly serve another person with an unfeigned humility if I seriously regard his sinfulness is worse than mine? Wow. You see, at the cross, we all stand at street level on bended knee. And at that cross, you need the touch of God, the the washing of the Spirit, to apply that gospel to say, I am seen and I am known as a sinner, but I'm called as a saint. And therefore, you're going to relate to me as a sinner or you're going to relate to me as a saint. One is fellowship, the other isn't. But when you get together with people, when you see people as they are, when God sends people to encourage you, sometimes we say, no, no. <laughs> say, no, no, back off. God always wants to get closer, doesn't he? Jesus came to those who were, his own, were his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in the name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you are open to let God send a person into your life to teach you, to correct you, to disciple, to walk with you, to partner with you, you have a brother, you have a sister that's more than just social activity. You have one who really wants to build you up. Well, I'm going to bring this to a close just for the introduction for next week. The Corinthians were not in fellowship with Christ. Remember they were doing communion and Paul was saying, stop, stop, don't don't do that. When you come together, it's worse than when you get together because you're damaging, you're destroying the very meaning of the fellowship. You're concerned about head coverings and you're you're not concerned about immorality. You're not concerned about the relationships and you guys are not doing church well, Paul would say. They were doing communion wrong and they're going to do gifts wrong. 1 Corinthians 12. They were concerned about spiritual experiences and speaking in tongues and having a good time because it's me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And they were forgetting how they were hurting other people. But Paul was saying what Jesus would say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I do. And the Corinthians didn't know how to do that. They had a sloppy spirit. And so the next three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, you've got to hear... You've got to hear, what's going on here? You've got to hear that, uh, you've got to hear Paul correcting. Paul is correcting 
people who are unloving. And therefore, he says, if you're going to get into this relationship and you're going to have this attitude, and hear the attitude, I don't need you. I'm rich. I don't need you. I've got my relationship. I don't need you. I've got the spirit. I've got the gifts. I don't need you. I don't care about you. Whatever. And that was the spirit that was going on in the Corinthian church. Can you imagine Paul's job? Would you like to have that job? Well, it's an amazing thing that when the Spirit of God says, Sao bona, I'm bringing you grace. You cannot say that in the first part when Paul says, I want to make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is Lord. Oh, they can say the words, but the, the, the integrity of those words, that if you are really a man of God, a woman of God, that Christ is Lord, it will come out through the fellowship and how you give grace to people. So let me open this door because they were not doing well in Corinth. They were doing what Jesus said before in Matthew. You love those who love you. You like the rich, you stay with the rich. You like the poor, you stay with the poor. You don't get together because there's us and them. But he says, if, that, if you do that, what reward do you get? Or in Luke, he says, what credit is that to you? Even non-Christians do that. But if you're a spirit-led Christian who is walking in that fellowship says, Sao bona, you need encouragement. And God has sent me into this fellowship because... I have a place here. I am connected here. And that's why we get together. Paul was concerned about that. He was really concerned that people love well. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 is at the apex as he's moving towards this community. He really wants to build, in the truest sense of the word, a kingdom community in an ungodly society and restore this fellowship. Well, brothers and sisters, that's, that's what we are about. If they're saying, well, what's, what's the church, Paul? If that's the church, well, I don't get it. If we're doing this wrong, we're doing that wrong. Well, well Paul says, it's okay, Saubona. I'm bringing you grace to teach you to love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And goes on. Well, for us, as we get into, as we get into that idea that you are connected to Christ... And notice it's not the apple. If you're focused on the apple, you miss that little part right above the apple. Notice that stem. They come from the same branch. That's the sharing in the common life. That's yours and mine. Everything that I have in Christ is everything you have in Christ. And therefore, we share that common life that's really from the kingdom above. As we get into 1 Corinthians 12 next week, we're going to look at how they had to shift their thinking because they said, I got these spiritual gifts. They were using the spiritual gifts for personal gain, for personal glory. They were destroying everything that God gave them and said, well, I'm going to make it very self-centered, not being a servant. Well, there's work to be done. As you get into 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, keep your eye on the fact that God is out for true community sharing a life in common with the Spirit, so that your heart would be set free. Why? Because Saubona is from God. And your response is, 
I am seen, and therefore I am connected. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you bring your word into a a situation that really challenges us. We don't know how to love very well. We love those we love. It's hard to love those who offend us, those who hurt us. It's hard to be forgiving. It's hard to be pursuing people who don't want to be pursued. But Lord, your spirit does that. Lord, give us those eyes to see as you see and to respond and to surrender. Shiboka, I, I am seen. Lord, we love you for that. Thank you for developing us as a people. And you set your love upon us. We praise you for these things. Now use us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.